Welcome, guys, to another episode of the Leadership to Wealth podcast. I'm your host, Neil D'Souza, and our guest today is a self-taught entrepreneur with four businesses who's, who's read hundreds of books in the area of leadership, fundraising, finance, coaching, entrepreneurship, mindset, and most importantly, overcoming limiting beliefs. Now, currently, he's building uh, Squadra Holdings, a uh, performance-based hedge fund, and uh, which is focused in technology and a diversified portfolio. He also manages Alteza Capital, an independent consulting firm dedicated to connecting qualified investors and vetted with vetted startups. Now, and the third one, and this may be interesting to some of you, is is NXT Digital, which is partners with artists around the world to help their work to get recognition, compensation, and uh, it's really in that NFT space, in that world that many of us are not sure what that's all about. But lastly, and uh, and not least, is his very own coaching and mentorship business with uh, helping individuals reach their full potential and building their dreams, which we all are all about. Our guest today, Tom Mays. Appreciate it so much. Thanks for having me here. Well, well, I, it's great to have you. I got to ask you the most obvious question. How are you able to do all of that? You're, you've got your hand in so many different areas. How are you able to do all of that and, and be good at it? Yeah, great question. Um, for, for me, it's two things. One is horizontal integration with the businesses. So having businesses that complement each other opposed to being totally separate. You know, I'm not running a finance company and a landscaping company that have nothing to do with one another. Right. So with Squadra Holdings, it's a, it's a hedge fund, commodity and currency trading fund. So I'm networking with a lot of investors. Um, a lot of people are asking us to invest in their companies, even though we don't do that. So that's what created Alteza Capital, which is the consulting firm that connects investors and projects, right? Because we already have a lot of that on hand. Um, and then with that business, when we raise money for companies, we need to do a lot of consulting work to help them use the funds effectively. So that's what, you know, the coaching consulting business with Alteza, as well as there's another business called Alita International Consultants. We have about 12 consultants that help with scalability. Um, and then we've got the the only one that's pretty separate is NXT Digital, which is quite on the the back burner for the past year, I'd say. Um, we're still really interested in research and development in the Web3 space because I believe there's a lot of potential in it moving forward. But of course, there's a ton of landmines in that space as well. So you really got to be careful with that. But for me, it's really choosing businesses that are horizontally integrated so they can complement one another so they're not totally separate. Um, and then of course, having a great team and great partners and great people that you can work with that you can rely on to, to assist you build those businesses. I've always said like, I'd rather have 1% of something large instead of 100% of something small. So uh, mm -hmm. I believe a lot in delegation and, and you know, sharing the pie. Yeah, now, now let me ask you how, you know, you've got multiple businesses and and most people will look at starting up one business as being quite the task. How how were you able to be able to know and see that, OK, I need to create this next uh, 
this next business um, or wanting to? What what kind of led to to you diversifying, even if it's horizontally? What still led to you realizing that it's time to create another business? Yeah, for it was really identifying the opportunity. You know, starting any kind of business, that's the that's the very first step is identifying the opportunity. So whether you're working for somebody else and you think, hmm, I really think a company should be fulfilling this need. Um, you know, I should start to work on seeing if I can build it out. So, you know, when when I started with the very first business, that was the total focus. And then, as I mentioned, when I was building Squadra Holdings, it made sense. Like, you know, I was leaving a lot of money on the table. You know, these people are asking us if they could invest in real estate if they could invest into tech startups these family offices once they would invest with us and i was like well i wish i could help them you know i i, I wish i had a way to make money with them right they're literally asking me if they can invest elsewhere so yeah. why can't i provide a vehicle and then you know two weeks later i'd have a company say hey you know we're a tech company we're trying to raise five million dollars and i'm like wow i just had a family office saying they're looking for something like this two weeks ago so a lot of it is just kind of like slowing down and taking your blinders off. If you're so focused on that one thing, you're not going to see anything else but that one thing. So if you do want to look for the other opportunities to start new businesses, then you need to slow down and listen to what the marketplace is telling you. Um, and I, there's a lot of different opinions on this. Like a lot of people say, just focus on one business, you know, just do one business, build it up, build it big. Um, I, did that for years. Um, I found that I didn't like it as much with my personality. I like to be working on multiple projects at the same time. Um, I'm a total workaholic. I work from 7 a.m. to 10, 11 p.m. every day. So even when I'm working in one business, I can generally get the work done very quickly because I'll delegate it to other people. I'll work uh, with teams of people and then I'll run out of things to do. And then I'm sitting there and I'm like, I don't have enough work to do. Like I'm freaking out. So then I need to start something new, right? Um, so it's really about your goals, what you want to pursue with, with the business or businesses and what your personality aligns with, and then listening to the marketplace, identifying opportunities, um, and then testing it, you know, fail forward, mm -hmm. try business, doesn't work, try another one, fail forward. Yeah. So what, what sort of led you into that? Were you, were you finding, were you feeling like, Hey, I'm, pigeonholed where I am. I, I want to do something else. I want to break out. How, how did you even start down the, down that rabbit hole of uh, breaking into entrepreneurship, starting your own business? Yeah, that started in like grade five. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so grade five, um, I really analyzed like the lives of people in my family, I'd look at, you know, my cousins, cousins and aunts who would struggle with money. Um, you know, they'd have to get a new roof on their house and, you know, they'd be stressing about that or brakes for their car and they'd be stressing about that. And then I had a couple of family members that were more well off where they could go on nice trips and they could, you know, buy nice food and they could have a nice home and all that kind of stuff. So then I realized, hmm, if it's a choice, I choose to have more than less. Well, okay, wait, I gotta, I gotta just jump in quickly and ask this question before I forget it. What yeah. would get a kid in grade five to be analyzing this stuff when, when you're probably supposed to be running around on the playground, uh, you know, uh, like Will Smith for the rest of your days, what's, 
what got you to be looking around and, and look at these things? What what was going on that that you mm. were interested in that? That you were noticing yeah. that? Yeah, um, that's a good question. It was kind of just like inherently in me. I've always been very analytical. I was my mom. I used to drive my parents absolutely insane. My mom and dad, because I'd always ask questions. I had this like huge natural curiosity, and I remember very. Like we're driving to Kamloops, it's a three hour drive, we're in the truck and I'm like, dad, like how are lamps made? You know, like how, how is a car made? And then I'm like asking him all these questions. And I finally asked the last question. I was like, how is glass made? And then my dad's like, for crying out loud, for Christ's sake, Tom, just stop asking me so many questions. And I was like, okay, okay, relax, relax. But I was probably like, you know, like eight, seven years old at that point. So I've always had like a very natural curiosity about myself, just wanting to learn about as many things as possible. So that's, I think, how a lot of this came to be, where I started to be curious about like, well, why does that person get to travel to nice places? And why does my family not, you know, like, why um, do we only get to go out for dinner once a week, because we need to watch the money that we're spending. Meanwhile, those other people get to go out for dinner all the time, you know, so that's kind of where it started. And then, um, you know, like we were never super well off. We were quite comfortable. We did go through a little bit of a tougher time when my parents divorced. So then I was like, oh, you know, my mom's struggling. Um, I definitely want to assist with that. And I don't want to see my family and friends struggle. So then it created the curiosity about about money. And I really saw that, wow, if you have more money, you have more options. If you have less money, you have less options. Wow. And, and how old were you when, when that was happening and you were realizing that? Probably like I started to think about it in probably like grade three, but then more, more like grade five, grade six is when it started to make more sense. Yeah. yeah. Cause then I was asking questions like, how do you make money? You know, what do you, how does a store work? You know, that kind yeah. of stuff. <laughs> okay. I, I've got a, Maybe this is a little off tangent, but since you're you're sharing a little bit about the the personal side, I think it's a uh, person's backstory is important. And you said that your parents uh, separated, and I'm curious, what was that like for you? And maybe juxtapose that with where you are today. What what did that do for you with regards to relationships? Because it you're a workaholic now um you you love working around the clock and that's that's obviously got to put a strain on relationships and and did it affect do you see some effects from from that point in time in your and life? you're talking romantic relationships yeah, yeah 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 um definitely like when i think of relationships as whole like starting with friendships like definitely my strongest friendships are people that are driven and pursuing you know the same alignment as to me with similar goals and ambitions um just because that's the people that i resonate with and you have limited time so you spend it with people that are pursuing the same things as far as romantic relationships is definitely uh a tough one for sure because um i just want to work so much i'm so dedicated to it so yeah. i don't have a lot of time for romantic relationships to be honest yeah yeah, haven't yeah. spent too much time with that. Now, I, I'm I'm just fascinated. Maybe you have an answer, maybe you don't. But do you see a connection between what happened with your parents 
And, and, and was there any link for you to go, yeah, may, maybe that's not the place to invest time because most, uh, most guys, once you hit those teenage years, testosterone kicks in and, and we're not thinking about money at that point in time, right? You, mm -hmm. Oftentimes you, you need uh, to get through some guys, you need to get through your twenties before you even uh, are able to refocus um, because you just go down that road. And so I'm just curious if, because uh, you started at a much earlier age than most people in terms of entrepreneurship, uh, you know, businesses and that. Do you think that maybe something there might have turned your direction or uh, maybe some choices you made? That's a great question. You know, like I probably should sit down with a psychiatrist and figure out all of this kind of stuff <laughs> to see like what 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 influenced it and what didn't. But now that you mentioned that, like even in high school, you know, I, I dabbled, um, you know, I wouldn't say dabbled, like, you know, went out with a couple girls here or there, but it was never really like a huge focus of mine. Like I really yeah. identified that money was the solution to my problems, good or not, you know, yeah. like. And I just said, you know, fuck everything else. I just want to build businesses. I want to make money, right? So then um, I never had a girlfriend until literally, yeah, I've had one girlfriend. And that was when I was 25, 26. Wow. So I didn't have any girlfriends from, yeah. You know, like I would say like a casual, like one month, two month, three month thing, but like nothing significant. But yeah, it's just <laughs> was, didn't even bother me. It's just wanted to work ladies if you're if you're listening to this and you're wondering why i'm so amazed jump over to the youtube channel and uh take a look at uh the model that i'm talking to because uh he he looks like he could be in a, a fashion magazine um he's got he's got the looks he's got the hair um uh, the, the scruffy debonair look so um so i'm in complete awe that 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 would be the case but it you'd think that women were throwing themselves at you, which may have been the case, but you were so focused. And it it is interesting because, you know, I look at my own situation and think of, you know, the stuff that I went through with family dynamics and which was quite difficult. And my, my parents continually fighting with one another and, and a lot of that was around money. And so that gave me a drive um, in to go that way. But I also had a bit of an arrogance with regards to believing that I could figure out this relationship thing as well. Mm. And um, whereas uh, other siblings were, uh, you know, they were like, no, I'm not doing anything with with that. And um, and so it's interesting how each person based on their situation can come up with completely opposite ends of the spectrum on, on things yeah. like that. Totally. And like, for me, like more, I think about my mindset, it was more like, I'll just do it later. You know, I'll figure <laughs> it out later, you know, like yeah. make yeah. money. Now I can have all the relationships I want, you know, I can travel, yeah. I can do this, I can do that. And um, like the thought of like a serious long-term monogamous relationship for the next 50, 60 years of my life, I was just like, Psh, why not like live it up and do what I want to do on my own for you know, the first majority of my or first section of my life. And then once I figure out who I am, what I truly want, what my goals are, accomplish some of those goals, um, then put more time and effort into that. I always saw a lot of people like 
jumping from relationship to relationship to relationship. And I just saw like, man, that's a huge waste of time. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like, in my opinion, your six months relationship, year long relationship. And then they're so depressed for two or three years after they break up and, you know, they weren't for focused on their goals. And I was just like, I don't want any of that. No, no, thank yeah. you. Yeah. 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 That That's really interesting um, for a lot of different reasons, but it, it's really interesting because I know there's, a lot of people that are, you know, especially when you're younger and you're trying to figure out that stage of what do I do next and, you know, which way do I go? I, I've got teenagers now that are trying to figure out which way do I go? Do I go to university? Do I go to college? Do I just get a job? Do I start the, uh, what's this, what's this called? Uh, like entrepreneurship culture. Do I, you know, start a side hustle? And, um, you know, now my, my daughter's, they went straight into university. My sons, they're still trying to figure it out. Um, and so it's interesting to hear that mindset and and what you're looking at. And I do think it's interesting as men, there is sort of a, I don't know if proclivity is the right word. There is a leaning towards wanting to build something, wanting to get, get good at uh, building a business at a job, a career, something like that, and um, and not moving towards, um, you know, relationships initially. And it seems to be more like that as the as society moves along. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think society is moving towards that. And like for myself, too, like when I was you know, I was reading a book a month or sometimes I was reading a book a week and like I would grow so quickly um, and my mindset would change so drastically after a year of reading books, after six months of reading books, after, you know, doing sales meetings, building sales teams. And I really thought like, man, like I don't even know who I am. Like I, I can read a book and then I'll be like, holy shit, that changes everything, you know, like mm -hmm. I thought this perception, but it's a philosophy book and it changes everything. So now like even the people I want to hang out with, people I want to be around has changed because I read this book. So mm -hmm. I just thought like, if I'm changing this quickly, like I don't know who I am. Like, so then why, what's the benefit of going into a relationship when I first think I want this in a relationship, but in six months from now, I might want something different. You know what I mean? So again, it was like, Tom, just like focus on you, man, like build you, build your own stuff, figure out who you are, figure out what you like. I mean, how many times have we started a business or started a sport and you think you really enjoy it? And then six months down the road or a year down the road, you don't like it anymore. You want to change to something else. Right. Yeah. And I just saw that over and over and over again in my own personality and what I wanted, my life goals. And I was just like, man, just focus on you, figure out what you want, build some things, do what you want, be a person of significance and um, you know, after that, then, then options will open up. You'll have more doors open, you know, let, they're not going to close. They're just going to open more. So why not just focus on that? Yeah. Oh, okay. You just said, said something powerful there. You said, uh, focus on being a person of significance. Mm -hmm. Flip side to that. Were you feeling like, Hey, I've not done anything with my life or, Totally. You know, so, oh my goodness. Okay, I can see the smirk across <laughs> your face. That, totally. Come on, totally. tell us that story. What, what was going on? Yeah, like, 
I love um, Alex Hermosi says it really well. Like the three things that drive super ambitious people is like lack thereof. You know, they don't think that there's something significant. So they're running away from something and then they have huge dreams and goals. So they're running towards something. And I, I forget the third thing. Oh, they can have delayed gratification for a long period of time. And like that, that was me. Like I, I was never, it was weird. It was a combination of like, I want to be something huge. But it was a part of that where it's like, I don't want to be something small, you know? So there was a huge negativity side of it where it was like, I'm insignificant. I'm not something progressive. I'm not smart. I'm not good looking. I'm not strong. I'm not confident. I'm weak. Like that was a huge narrative in my life for a really long period of time until I was probably like 16, 17, 18, 19, when I started to kind of grow out of that with a lot of reading and a lot of mentorship and a lot of coaches coaching from my coaches and um so yeah there's a huge negative part of my life that really fueled a lot of that and a lot of it was like frustration and anger as well it was like why am i not better why am i not bigger why am i not doing more why can't i accomplish more like that was huge 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 fuel and i would say that was like 95 percent of my fuel until i was probably like 21 22 and then maybe decreased it from like 95% to like 80% from 23, 24. And then I've probably got it down to maybe like 40% now where I'm like, no, I want to build things because I want to, and I'm grateful and I'm happy and I'm joyful. And I'm doing this because I want to. And my coach just beats this into my head every day. <laughs> He's like, do it because you want to like have fun, enjoy the journey, have a great time. Like, stop thinking about like oh i'm frustrated i'm angry i'm not doing enough i should be accomplishing more i you know everything needs to be perfect all the time you know like there's a huge you know power in, in negativity and huge power in positivity and you've got to really like manage your mindset and i think tony robbins is it tony robbins or tim by bill they say it the best like you want to live kind of like 80 20 you know like 80 percent of the time live in positivity Right. And then 20 percent of the time use the negativity as fuel where I was totally the other way. It was like 90, 95 percent negativity where I was not enough. I was not doing enough. I was frustrated. I was angry. I was never good yeah. enough. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yes, 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 yes. It completely resonating with what you're saying. Mm. <coughs> These are good questions, man. I haven't gotten into <laughs> any of this stuff on a podcast before. Well, you know, I, I think the, the power of it is everyone sees the the Instagram view yeah. of it. And and it's really this stuff that's going on in the background that oftentimes can limit us. People don't realize that what everybody else out there that's making money also has fears. They also have insecurities. They also have. And I was just sharing with. Um, a fellow investor um, the other day, two days ago, and I said to him, I said, look, sometimes, sometimes you're running towards something. Sometimes you're running away from it. Totally. And, and there's usually a balance in there somewhere. And, and as you go on through your life, there's always some, some sort of uh, ratio there where, which you just described exactly. Right. That there's always yeah. some bit of it. And hopefully as you mature, you're able to spend more time on the uh, on the positive side, on the on the joy, on the peace, on the creative side, rather than 
rather than that fear side. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And when I coach and mentor people now, like I really see that in people, you know, it's like, wow, this guy's super driven, super negative, but super driven. Oh, this guy's yeah. super driven, super positive. Right. And then you got to balance them out. And uh, I would say more than not, it's, it's more, more negative than it is positive with most people that I see in today's society, because, you know, we're, we're programmed that with, you know, social media, you're always comparing yourself to other people that are doing better. And, you know, there's always a 22 year old that just became a billionaire or they made $150 million and you're 25 and you're like, well, I've got hundred grand, you know, it's like, that's not enough. Yeah. Right. So you're always comparing, but yeah. And I like to tell people too, um, like when I first started in business and entrepreneurship, I was like the most introverted, scared kid you've ever met in your life. Like, I was wait 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 when you started you were introverted and scared totally terrified, okay terrified okay. of talking to people terrified of speaking up like terrified like i first got like an affiliate marketing um you know associate position i was helping some people sell some different products i did a lot of affiliate marketing uh when i first started in business when i was like 17 16 17 18 years old and I would sit, I would get to like a Tim Hortons coffee shop, like 20 minutes before I'd have a meeting with a potential client. And I would call my coach and mentor and I would be in the cold sweats. I'd be like freaking out, like total panic attack, freaking out in my car. I don't know what to say to this guy. I don't know what to do. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know what to say, blah, 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 blah. Just freaking out. What am I going to do? I'm going to screw it up. I'm going to do this. And my coach at the time, he would just be like, dude, you're going to be fine. Just go in have a conversation. And at the beginning, I couldn't even pitch people. I couldn't even do sales. I would literally like my goal would be to get in the coffee shop, have a meeting with that person and just chat for like five minutes, five, 10 minutes. If I could do that, that was my first goal. You know what I mean? Like that's how nervous I was. That's how like much I had to develop my people skills, how much I had to develop my confidence, how much I had to remove self-doubt and negativity so that I could actually like progress. And people now they see me you know pitching to investors or doing podcasts and it's like i didn't start here guys like i was the most introverted nervous scared person you've ever met and it was just like years and years of just like going through that painful painful work to develop that that side it's a lot of yeah. work that's really interesting on the on the investor side i have a lot of people that are always asking me the question about hey how do you how do you get investors and because they think there's some sort of magic formula and, and i'm like i i have had coffees and shaking hands right having yeah. coffees and shaking hands you know having drinks uh and, and shaking hands and just talking to people and you get you have to i i still don't really think of myself as good in the area in sales when or whatever people think of as sales but I've found that for me, I've spent a lifetime listening to people mm -hmm. and getting to know where they're coming from so that then you know what's important to them. Mm -hmm. And and if that if that works, then, you know, some people call that a sale. Um, but if that works, you create that partnership. Yeah. Yeah. I would say my favorite way to like navigate sales or teach it to somebody new is don't try to sell, just try to sort, you know, try to filter, mm. you know, okay. like, 
like listen to people's needs. Don't don't sell. Sort. Tell. Okay. Give us give yeah. us this breakdown. Exactly. So if you're you know networking and meeting people, listen to their needs, their wants, their desires, and their pain points. And if someone says, "Hey, I'm really 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 thirsty. I need a bottle of water." Get them a freaking bottle of water. Don't go and try to sell them a hamburger. You know what I mean? So when you when you're going through all these relationships, you're drinking the drinks, you're having the coffees, and people say they want to invest in this, they're interested in this, they're interested in that. They hate this, they hate that. You know, don't try to convince somebody of something that they don't want. Just yeah, take yeah. note of it and be like, oh, last week I met ten people that have health issues. And, um, you know, right now I'm selling a vitamin that really could help them with that health issue. Then go and try to, you know, talk with them and see if you can help them, you know, purchase that product. You know, you're not trying to convince somebody that, you know, is a, is a nutritionist and they have all of the vitamins that they need and they don't want anything. Like, why are you trying to bother that person? Yeah. Right. Go yeah. to the people that want what you have. I, I think people miss uh, something really simple in what you shared there. If someone's thirsty and they're looking for for water and I've got water bottles, then great. Hey, I've, I've got water for sale here. I got water. Yeah. Now, if they're looking for that hamburger, Hey, you know what? My friend, Tom, right over here, he, he sells hamburgers and exactly. you can introduce them to Tom as opposed to many people take it as a slight as that there's something wrong with them. I had water. Why didn't I have water and hamburgers? I, <laughs> right. You know, I need to have water and hamburgers. And or why didn't I convince him that he needs water instead of hamburger? <laughs> yes. Yes. I didn't have, right. you know, if I was really good, I would have convinced him that he didn't want a hamburger and that he wanted water. And that's, exactly. that's just, uh, you know, that might be a used car salesman trick, but uh, for the... I think if you're really wanting to build lasting relationships and uh, with people for for down the road for decades, then the key is really to think about what they need and what's in their best interest. And I did a I did enough sales to the point where like you can close people, you can convince people to do something that they don't really want to do. You know, I've done it. We've all done it. Like, but the problem with that is when you convince that person to um you know buy the water bottle instead of the hamburger right great successful you made a sale so that person bought your water when they really wanted the hamburger now chances are that person in the next two weeks well it'd be food and water so within the next two three hours they're pissed at you because they're like man i wish i spent my money on a hamburger i was hungry like yes like, why did you convince me so hard to you know buy this water bottle and you know i've convinced people to buy things that you know that they didn't really need and then they come back to me months later two months later and they're like tom like you know i appreciate you. you we bought this but you know they're not a happy client they're not happy you know i made them do something that they didn't necessarily want to do because i was a quote-unquote good salesman you know like mm -hmm. that's not what i want to do i want the the investors and the relationships of people being like tom i wanted that you got exactly what i wanted to have and I'm so happy that was a great relationship. I don't want the people to be like, Tom, I wanted this. You convinced me to do this. And, you know, you just start yeah. creating weird relationships, right? Well, look, it, it makes sense if we're talking about water and hamburgers. You're, you're selling that to the person and they're going to move on. They're going to decide that they wanted a hamburger after all. But when we're talking about in the world of uh, investing and business, 
you really want to make sure that you're thinking longer term. You know, one of the things that I realized is I absolutely do not want to sell someone. In fact, I actually want to um, disqualify someone. It's better mm -hmm. for me to 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 decline that because otherwise I'm going to be hearing from them all the time. You know, okay. oh, this. Oh, I'm worried about that. Oh, you know, what happened? As opposed to if this is what they really want, then what they're really looking for, you know, especially in, in the area of real estate, I'm going to have to handhold somebody mm -hmm. all the way. Every time they're scared, phone calls in the middle of the night. We call those like active investors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So, so it's yeah. actually better. I find that it's more beneficial to really vet someone and make sure that it's in line with what they're trying to achieve rather than the quick fix because you're going to pay for it for a yeah. long time afterwards. Totally, totally. And to use an example in that space, let's say that you've got, you know, a 70 year old lady who wants something that's super conservative. She wants something that you know, has appreciation of maybe, you know, five to 10% over a year, you know, nice steady returns. Meanwhile, you put her in a crypto investment that goes like 30% up one day and 25% down the next day. Like they're, that lady's going to be pissed. You know, she's yeah. going to be calling you and be like, what's going on? Like, this is crazy. Like my money's down 50%. It's only been two months. Like, it's just nice to use a really extreme example of how you can, you know, sure you sold them great you made larger commission great you did this but like you know you've just ruined that relationship moving forward for future yeah. business right and do you really feel good about that you know i don't want to build a business like that yeah yeah now you mentioned i i heard the word it jumped out at me you mentioned about commodities uh yeah. what what type of commodities are you involved with um oil silver gold copper and then we do um, currency, USD, CAD, Euro, USD trading primarily. Okay. A little bit of soybean and wheat as well, but not too much. Okay. Now, this is really interesting. I'm I'm sure that most people that are listening wouldn't. That's not the first thing that you jump into. Now, I'm interested in some of the things that you just mentioned. But how did you get into some of those markets? Um, eh, mostly by, you know, association. So um, when I first started doing affiliate marketing, actually, I was working with some uh, companies that were trading like algorithms or selling algorithms as well as like trading tools for the financial market. So I was building sales teams of selling the software to a variety of different companies and, and, and people um, and then just learned a lot more about finance, commodities, currencies, et cetera. And then uh, met a, a couple different traders that were really good in that space and then realized, hey, you know, it's a uncorrelated diversified asset, you know, that would be nice to, you know, raise capital for. So then we started a company with that. Mm, okay. I, I mean, I'm, I'm originally East Indian and, you know, Indians don't really trust their government, have, haven't historically. So um, hence, all the stories are true about uh, Indians and gold and and trying to keep gold because we know that governments typically will uh you know devalue the the currency and so that that's been a way that uh you know the culture has protected itself from its own government and so it's interesting to hear you talk about that so i i have some interest in in that and being in finance i've got interest in precious metals 
you know, I've watched uh, as metals right now are are continuing to uh, to go up and doing very well right now. Uh, but more importantly, it's it's really a hedge, right? And mm-hmm. and so when when you talk about some of these other markets, like you you mentioned wheat, did yeah. I hear you say right? Wheat, soybean, uh, wheat, yeah. soybean, oil. How do you look at something like wheat and soybean and think, okay, what's the what's the value in that and and how do I how do I look at it right? Like for me, if yeah. if I'm looking at uh, gold or silver, we're talking about metals, right? It it doesn't matter. They might go up, they might go down, they might go sideways. You, you're not really concerned about that. At some point, the cycles are going to come back around. Where does wheat and soybean fit into? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your your research can really become endless. I mean, we've looked at you know what's the weather like in brazil for coffee you know we've looked at you know the weather in different parts of the world cold snaps is the farming season good is it not good you know like how are logistics right now you know we've got massive shipping issues at certain parts during COVID, and you know you got to take all of that into account as well as supply and demand and then you're looking at you know the technicals and the charts with purchase orders and who's purchasing who's not etc like the research can really get pretty pretty endless to be honest that sounds really exciting uh when we're out uh out for drinks and uh and you want a really boring conversation for like two hours <laughs> sure <laughs> <Yeah>. really <laughs> what's the weather like in Colombia right now um i actually i tell you truth i'm a bit of a nerd i that sounds very interesting because it is actually surprising. there are so many different factors that that uh, work into that, and in fact, uh, on LinkedIn, I've I've done different articles and talked about a whole bunch of different items, things like um, you know potash and what we were seeing with regards to the the sanctions on Russia and how all of a sudden Western Canada, you know, and then they started having problems with the railroads and uh, CP totally. Rail and the yeah, and I was like, oh my goodness, guys, potash is going to go through the roof <laughs> and um, now that doesn't sound like a very sexy topic, but yeah. when you're when you're looking at uh, from an investing standpoint and you're you're following money, you're thinking, okay, there's going to be some people that that get rich in this environment. There's going to be some people that that uh, go poor in this environment. And being in real estate, you want to know those areas that are going to be rich and they're going to go poor, so uh, yeah. you know what happens to the value of the. Uh, of the property and i think sometimes people don't see the correlations in that and they're too busy watching uh what the news is saying about canadian real estate mm-hmm. and not realizing that every part of the country is has its own economics or as you're sharing every part of the world has their yeah. their own um, indices so to say right things that that affect them so oh, totally uh, totally okay so I'm going to ask you a weird question here. Mm-hmm. When you when you come up and you talk start talking to somebody about uh, investing, you're you're a really clean cut guy. You look really young. Do you ever find that people are like mm, that they have a difficulty trusting you because you're so good looking? You look young. <laughs> How can you? You know, I've got a, I've got the gray, and so people are it like, oh, "Okay, he's been around." Uh, I've, 
I've got the yeah. wife. I've got four kids. They're like, oh, yes, he's been beaten. He's been beaten down. Do totally. you find any bias like that in the world of business about uh, you being young? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. And I, I've, I've dealt with that a lot um, because I started in business so young, you know, 18, 19 years old, doing a lot of yeah. different things. So um, the way that I figured out how to deal with it the best was I leveraged other people's credibility and I leveraged their age. So I was never saying, Hey, I'm well, I, I tried it. never worked. I was like, Hey, I'm the guy, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. It's like, no, no, it never worked out because I was too young. <laughs> I look too young, dude. If I shave, I look like I'm 15, you know, it's crazy. So, and I could only grow a beard until I was like 23 or 24. So I really had to figure out something that would work for me. So, I would either have business partners or colleagues or associates that I were older than me that were, you know, 35. I, plus. I had, I had girls that wanted to date me because I didn't look pretty. They're like, <laughs> yeah, there's not going to be any competition. I didn't want to date this guy because he was way too pretty. And I was like, mm, I, I, I think there was some sort of compliment meant in there, but you know, that's all right. I'll take it. So. <laughs> um, Sorry. You were saying 35. Yeah. So they are generally like 35 or older. So then I could be yeah. like, Hey, you know, I work with this company. I work with this group. I, yeah. uh, you know, these are the people that are on the team. These are what they do. This is what we do. So I really didn't try to highlight me as being right. the one-stop shop and, and to this Le day too. leveraging other people's experience, other people's yeah. knowledge, exactly. You know, exactly. other people's resources and, and yeah, the like. And yeah. Depending on the individual too, you can tell with like uh, the individual, maybe they want to try something new and invest with a younger guy or they want somebody that's older and more experienced. So even to this day, like, you know, I, I don't even tell a lot of people that I'm like a partner in the company or anything like that. I'll just be like, hey, I'm, you know, one of the directors, I operations manager, et cetera, whatever it is, just so that they don't think like, oh, I'm investing with this guy that, you know, owns the company, you know, I'll be like, oh, I've also got um, you know, Lisa or Anthony or Mike or, you know, somebody and they're, you know, between 50 and 64 years old. Right. So then I'd really take a lot of the, the weight off of me and I put it onto the team because again, like, you know, the age thing, but you know, also want to invest into a team opposed to just one individual. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I can say for myself, I, I didn't catch on to that till later on in life. But one of the one of the benefits, and I always say, I, I love sharing his name. Uh, one of my lawyers, his name's Henry Priesman, and he took the time to uh, share some of the knowledge, his knowledge and experience as a lawyer, and I was able to leverage that, and it was amazing because people people were like, "How do you know this stuff?" Well. Let me tell you about uh, this lawyer, my lawyer here. And and so immediately people started associating us and they're thinking, well, if a lawyer is willing to, uh, you know, associate with them, then it's, you know, because so many, so many different uh, things that people are doing, selling. You want to keep the lawyers as far away as possible from what you're trying to say, right? So it, it's always been a great point. And I've found as you continue yeah. to build your team, people feel more and more secure about what you're doing and the direction you're going because they can really see that you've thought of all of these different angles. Yeah, 
exactly exactly and i always want to be the dumbest guy in the room right like i want my team to be come on okay you got to say something about this tom because we say it we say it but the alpha males do not want to be the dumbest in the room Hmm. i want you to think i'm the dumbest in the room (laughs) um yeah I, i don't know like that's I've, I've, I like, again, my curiosity and my willingness to learn, I've always been that way. Like, I'd rather learn from people that are doing great than, than like, I also like to lead others and coach others. But I think due to my age, like, I've always been the younger guy. I've always been the one that has to learn. I've always been the guy that doesn't have the experience that the people around him do. Um, you know, today, like everyone I meet with is 35 to 65 years old. I'm still the youngest person all the time. You know, I turn 27 next month and um, I, I, I have no problem with it. I like it. I don't. Yeah. yeah. I don't even resonate that much with people my age just because the maturity level is quite different. And what we're doing is quite different. But yeah, I would rather learn than explain. Mm. Rather learn than explain. That, that actually is very powerful because so often people love the sound of their own voice. They, they want to hear themselves. They, they want people to be around them and so that they can talk. And, and I would say that it's even a difficulty in, in the area of sales or meeting people, fundraising, any of these types of things, because everyone thinks that I've got to be the highlight of the show. I've got to be all of these things. And if I'm entertaining then people will want to come along and um, and they really get that, uh, y- you know, it, it can be challenging, especially if you are introverted and you're not sure, what do I know? Do I have the knowledge, the experience, the skills to really be able to showcase? And guys, if you're listening, I know there you're out there where you think, I'm probably not good enough to do this at this point. And rather than jumping into an arena, they stay back. They hold back from from going into that uh, new business or opportunity that that's there for them because they already screen themselves because they don't have those traits. Yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. I'm not as good looking as Tom, so clearly, you know, and and I I don't have those analytical skills, and you know, uh, or I've got a wife and kids. I can't do what Tom does, and yeah, the limiting beliefs. As a as a mentor yourself, what do you? How do you help someone? How do you support someone when they've got these types of limiting beliefs? Uh, I'll come to that in just one second. I wanted to tag on to what we were saying there before. I, I I believe a lot in in talking less but saying more. You know, like say more in fewer words. And I think again that came a lot with with my age because I'd be in meetings with people that are 10, 20, 30, 40 years older than me and I would not want to say anything stupid. So I'd rather be quiet and then be very selective with the words that I do say so that I could earn the trust and the respect of these people. Because if you're just blabbing your mouth off and you're not saying anything of value, then people will see right through you, right? So try to say say more with less. Um, and then I've got a couple of good friends, Chris Tiavacci and Landon Wizhart. It's funny because I just had lunch and dinner with them not too long ago. And after our lunch and dinner, they're both like, um okay that's it tom next time 
I'm asking you all the questions. I'm asking you all the questions. Every freaking time you do this to me, man, we go for lunch, we go for dinner, and you don't talk at all, and you just ask me questions. I'm like, yeah, because I already know about me. You know, like, what what do I want to learn about me? Like, I don't want to talk. I want to ask you questions and learn, like, how I can help you and what are you working on? Like, like me talking about what I'm doing doesn't really, sometimes it helps me learn and grow, but I learn way more from somebody else. And they're like, yeah, but you're like, you know, you're the coach, you're the mentor, you're doing this, you're doing that. But still, I'm just curious about you. You know, if you and I went for a coffee or lunch, Neil, like you would talk 80% of the time, 70% of the time, unless you really made an effort to ask me more questions. Um, but I'm just introverted that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I, I, I'll say something that I've learned as I've gotten a little bit older. And because I naturally gravitated to wanting to hear, wanting to learn. It was always like feeling like I discovered discovered gold or diamonds or something like right. that each time you're, gold you're nugget. talking to someone. Yeah, yeah that, that's right. Now, interestingly, I've come to a point where I've realized that there are times where I need to be that guy and step forward for everybody else. Mm. You know, um, okay. Maybe I want to selfishly be there and listen and gain knowledge from everyone else. And, but somebody needs someone to go ahead. Someone needs, needs someone to be to a step leader, and, right? To be the mm -hmm. leader. And, um, and so it's an interesting dynamic when you would rather, uh, you know, be digging for, for the gold. And, and now you're like, okay, I need to let me be the face, right? Or let me, um, lead the charge and maybe I've got to be the one to run through the wall to make space for everyone else to, uh, to come through. Do you ever notice that in, in dynamics of leadership? Definitely. Definitely. And especially over the past like two years, three years, like it's been happening yes. so much more as my teams have got larger, obviously I need to lead them employees, associates, consultants, etc. Um, and then, yeah, like when I was, I did some, some of it when I was like 19 to 22 as well. I built sales teams of like 35, 50 people um, when I first started out. So that built a lot of my leadership skills. Um, yeah, it, it really depends on the situation, the environment, who you're with, what's the meeting about, et cetera, you know, determining all the variables and then, okay, is this a place for me to step up and talk a lot? Or is this a place for me to lead? Is this a place for me to learn and listen? Is this a place for me to uh, support, you know, my coworker, that's the leader, so I'm going to be there to support him? Um, you know, am I trying to close a sale, you know, accounting for all the variables and then acting appropriately? Yeah, I actually heard a great analogy. Someone said, how do you know uh, who the leader is? And, uh, and they said, it, it's kind of like, who should be the who should be the bass in a in a band? Obviously, the guy that can sing bass, right? And um, and so I've found that when I step into a room now, I've got to evaluate. Okay, who's who's playing what instrument and uh, what's needed of me at this point in time? Especially as a parent, right? Uh, you, you're, I'm always assessing that with my kids. What do they need right now? Do they need a friend? Do they need the father? Do they need the leader? Do they need the rebel? Um, or or what is it that they need? And and move forward with that. And I find it's the same in business. As you move through partnerships, you, you always have to evaluate those things. Um, 
Now, let me let me ask you because our, our time is almost up here. What because we went into so many different directions here and guys, if you're listening um, and it feels a little schizophrenic today. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. But uh, I think I think Tom has been very humble and shared a lot of life experience and uh, his journey. What I'm curious about is what are you excited about now and going into uh, you know, the rest of the year, what are you excited about? What are you working on? Where, what direction are you moving in? Hmm. Great question. Um, what I'm excited about the most is really like enjoying the journey. <clears throat> you know how we talked about before over the past year and a half, um, before I hired my new business coach and mentor that I've been working with for the past year, he's really, really helped me slow down and enjoy the journey. And like my definition of success now is, you know, pursuing worthwhile destinations on the most enjoyable journey possible with 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 great company, right? Because the destination is not guaranteed. You don't know if you're going to get there. You could get hit by a bus tomorrow. Um, so you better be with people that you enjoy and you better be building something or working on, you know, tra traveling towards something on a journey that you enjoy. So just really living in more like joy and happiness and uh, excitement and less stress and anxiety and pressure. Um, because yeah, there's just, you know, the obvious, it makes life so much more enjoyable. And then obviously the big audacious goals, multi-billion dollar net worth and, you know, all those kind of great things as we progress building companies that change society and help mankind and, and progress and, and really give back and help people and give money to friends and family and everybody to assist them, do a lot of philanthropical, you know, things as we progress and travel and, you know, all those kind of great things, but really just, you know, be present and enjoy the process instead of constantly chasing the carrot. Yeah. Wow. Well, perhaps reevaluating what the carrot is. Yeah. Right. Like that. That's one of the things that, that I. All the time. Yeah, it does. And somewhere along the way, you realize that for me, somewhere along the way, I just realized I, I don't care how much money you have. If if you're not a uh, I'm gonna say good human being decent human being if you're if you're not someone that I want to spend time with then I'm sure there's other people that mm -hmm. you can do business with I don't want to spend time with some of these people that that don't respect people around them that uh, that are mean that are uh, you know looking down I'm like you know what I'm sure there's someone else you can do business with and because I only have so many days on this planet I yeah. want to spend it with you know people that you that I want to spend it with and um, including my family and friends and developing new friendships and that doesn't mean that we're we're all perfect people it, it just means that um, hey we've agreed we're going in a direction and we believe that there's a certain amount of decency and and in how we should treat one another and who we need to be for ourselves and for the people around us yeah totally yeah. totally agree wow okay well tom if people are trying to get a hold of you we're, we're going to put this stuff in the in the notes but where where can they find you what if they want to hear more of your story if uh for the ladies out there if they want to hit you <laughs> up, where where do they find you um pretty much all social media platforms with tom mays uh you can google my name go to tommays.com as well um, and then altezacapital.com. But um, yeah, 
Yeah, I'm pretty much, you can just Google it and you'll find me everywhere. Listen, Tom, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, it was great having you, you sharing uh, your insights, maybe even some of the some of the items that you you want to look at more, um, where where they came from, where you come from, uh, a lot of interesting stuff that you shared with us today. And I uh, wish you all the the best success in business going forward and uh, in growing wheat and soybean and the weather in <laughs> Colombia. <laughs> and uh, we definitely want to uh, maybe another time we can find out more about NFTs and that whole digital space, because that sounds like, a, you know, a whole conundrum in itself. It's it, that that sounds like uh, its own beast uh, that needs its own time to talk about. So so thank you for for coming on and sharing your wisdom with us today. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Neil, for having me on the podcast. I I love your podcast. I've been a follower for a while and greatly greatly appreciate it. And thank you for the great conversation. That's uh, Tom Mays, and that's another episode of the Leadership to Wealth podcast. I'm your host Neil D'Souza, and we'll see you guys in, next week shortening the learning curve to building wealth.